Not Too Deep. Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Today we have Dan Levy on the podcast. Not the guy from Schitt's Creek. Not the composers. Not the son of Eugene Levy. It's Dan Levy. You might know him from his MTV VJing days. You might know him from his college NACA tours. You might know him as the creator and executive producer of the new show, Indebted, starring Fran Drescher, Adam Pally, amongst other amazing cast members. We talk a lot about his obsession with HGTV. We talk a lot about um, the the college uh, shows that he blew the most at and uh, some of his successes along the way and what it's like to be a parent. Also, I learned a lot about spider bites. It's a very informative episode all across the board. So enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Dan Levy. We're rolling. We're going. Were you on Jeopardy last year? No. You weren't. <laughs> no. It's on your IMDb. It is? Yeah. It says on your IMDb, where right. is it? Under self-credits, okay. Jeopardy, himself, contestant. I definitely, I can't. All right. Well, no. I'm going to email Mr. <laughs> IMDb and- There's so many- Cause a complaint. There's so many Dan, Dan Levy's. You know, there's, yeah. uh, the, there's that guy, then there's a podcaster, there's two composers, a composer's <laughs> got an Oscar, there's Dan Levy, creator yeah. of Shit's Creek. I mean, there's so many of us out there. Have you guys <laughs> created a support group? <laughs> we have. We, we have Do a Dan Levy. you guys meet on Wednesdays? <laughs> we meet on Wednesdays. We're like, you know what? How How is it going for you, Dan Levy? How's it going for you, Dan Levy? How about you, Dan Levy? And uh, we all get together. Very fun. Yes. You guys all just commiserate about the highs and lows of who got confused for who this week. <laughs> exactly. That's very sweet. Um, so, okay. I want first congratulations, Indebted. Thank you so much. Very cool. How much can, I mean, you just wrapped, right? Yeah, we wrapped December 20th. So okay. we've been editing since then. Okay. And it premieres in February. February 6th after Will and Grace. That's very exciting. I know. I can't believe it. So how did this all come about? And for those that don't know, can you give us the premise of this? Yes. The premise is essentially uh, when baby boomers go broke and move back in with their kids who yes. have kids of their own. Yes. So it's loosely based on my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> my parents are baby boomers who uh, were not super financially responsible. Okay. Um, they don't uh, live with me technically. Technically, but uh, they visit me 45 times a year and okay. are waiting for me to give them the keys. Gotcha. <laughs> so they haven't had the keys yet. That's no. your boundary. That's my that's my one boundary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you wrote this. You created the show. Yes, I created the show. Okay. Did you have to get any permission from your parents to write something that's semi-autobiographical? Yes, I asked them and they said, of course, let's do it. And they love it. <laughs> <laughs> my, parents, my parents are all in. They are. That's so They're great. loving it. Yes. That's very sweet. And the cast is incredible. The cast is insane. Fran Drescher <laughs> plays a version of my mom. I, I secretly wish she played every character, she like is, Nutty Professor style. But <laughs> I mean, she's an icon. She's yeah. amazing. She's she's incredible. She's a great she person. She seems very lovely. She's lovely. She's likable. She's everything you want her to be. Yeah. Um, and then Adam Pally, oh. who is super fucking funny. Yeah. Um, Abby Elliott, amazing. Great. Very funny. Jesse Hodge is also hilarious. And of so course, great. Stephen Weber. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an amazing, uh, amazing cast. That's so awesome. How was the shooting process? The shooting process was, um, was great. I mean, it's intense because mm -hmm. it's a multi-camera. So it's in front of live audience. Right. So you're basically doing like, for people that don't know when you do multi-camera, isn't it like doing like a, a play basically? Yeah. It's like doing a play. It's like almost similar to like SNL where, mm -hmm. you know, every Friday night we are filming in front of live audience. So we yeah. have the whole week to get it ready. And what happens is on Monday, you do a table read and then mm -hmm. you get notes and you rewrite it. 
And then Tuesday, you do a rehearsal in front of uh, the producers, the writers, and the studio. Mm-hmm. We get notes, we rewrite it. Okay. Then Wednesday, the network comes, we get notes again, we rewrite it. Then Thursday, we start shooting pre-shoots, where, which means is you essentially shoot like the scenes that you can't do in front of an audience, whether it's like a car scene or an outside right. scene. And then Friday, um, they rehearse, and then mm-hmm. we shoot it live. Wow. So it's a really intense process because normally, like on other signal cameras, shows I've worked on, like uh, the Goldbergs, mm-hmm. you basically are writing the show and then you do a table read on monday and then you have the whole week to rewrite it and then you shoot it so you don't even really see the actors as much but right. you know what's kind of cool about a multi-cam it really becomes like a family because we're with these people every single day yeah you're really in an incubator yeah. for this and the writers are with each other every single night till Jeez. late hours wow so it's it's intense but it's really fun and you know my background is stand-up so doing yeah. Doing a, a live comedy show in front of the audience is so fun. Because then we change it on the floor, you know, so if we want to change jokes. So you're just constantly tweaking it, basically, yeah. up until the very last moment. Yeah, just, the, wow. yeah, until we're in take after take, we'll be like, now change, now take this. And luckily, the cast has such amazing, you know, improv skills. And, yeah. you know, Fran and Steven worked on, you know, collectively, I think, like 360 multicam episodes just between Same. Wings and Nanny. Yeah. So... Everyone was great, and we made a lot of changes on the floor. That's cool. Yeah. What's it like shooting in front of a live audience? It's, because do they they well? This is the first season of the show, so yes. they don't know what they're about to watch. They don't. They're not totally invested in these characters yet, so they're just kind of going in a little blind, I assume. Yeah. Well, what we do in front of a live audience is we always play the pilot, mm-hmm. and we also play a oh, video okay. of my actual parents. Oh, really? <laughs> give them some context yeah answering questions (laughs) about (laughs) their life and about how much they love me so Uh, that's like a a really big part of the show is how obsessed my mom is with me uh, no matter what do you have siblings I do. Okay, and, uh, but they don't really matter as no, much as you. <laughs> I have a brother, but even my brother's wife was like, my takeaway of your family is your mom is obsessed with you. <laughs> but it's only because I'm nicer to my mom than my brother. Yeah, you show her more attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you celebrate and glorify her legacy in your art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my mom, like, my mom just makes everything about me and it's always, like, very positive and And that's sort of what the show is. Like, it's uh-huh. a very sort of, like, positive, like, you know, comedy where these people are in a bad situation yet they are so confident and positive with their life uh, yeah. that like it doesn't really bother them the way it should like most people would spiral into depression but sure. like we do a whole episode about how you know um Adam's character and Abby's character and Jesse are sort of obsessed with social media like we all are right. we're always looking at other people's lives and mm-hmm. judging them and 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 wishing that you were in their on their vacation or whatever it is yeah. and we do a whole episode where Fran's like I don't understand why you care yeah. and like but don't you ever want to be where other people are and she's like no cuz wherever I am it's the best Wow, and that's and that's sort of what. Like, that's uh, what's that like? What is that like? Because she even says there's a line, something like I forget the exact um, line, but it was like, "Mom," uh, Fran says, "Like, why are you liking other people's things and caring what people are doing?" And then Adam's like, "Because that's what people do, mom." <laughs> We have been programmed. We have been programmed to care about other people's thing. It's oh. like. Gosh, but what a refreshing point of view yeah, for her to have. Exactly. Do you? as yourself get into social media you don't tweet i don't tweet because here's the thing i love instagram you love instagram, I love instagram okay. stories yeah at dan levy show yeah <laughs> but i i was real i like twitter you know back right. in the day when it was jokes but, but you got out which i'm like kudos to you i took off my phone 
Good for you. Because basically what was happening is every time I actually like seeing people on vacation, like that kind of stuff. Instagram to me yeah. is fun because it's more like, look at my life. Yeah. This is the good things. It's a little. Yeah, it's a, I like to try and think it. Think of it as like um, positive voyeurism. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what I think it is. Where Twitter is just like, fuck everything. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. Every time I go on Twitter, it's like murder. Yeah. Trump. I'm like, I don't need, I can't yeah. deal Twitter's with all of this. Begging you to bring it some of your like positive optimism so it can just fucking flatten you out. I know. Every time I go on Twitter, I'm like, I go on trending. I'm like, please, please, no one. I hope uh, there's not, no tragedy. No tragedy. Yeah, no tragedy. No. It's just, it's, it's, I can't, I can't deal. So I think uh, though, I thought it'd be funny to go back on Twitter like next week and be like, I'm on Twitter because I'm promoting my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep go- basically it's like opening a closet, throwing something into it and then closing the door before anything comes exactly. back out. It's, yeah. it's it's too crazy. But you like Instagram. Love Instagram. Who's your who do you follow? Do you have like guilty pleasure follows like? Oh, I'm currently following old Jewish men. OK, OK. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's your genre. Got yes. It. <laughs> and I follow like upscale hype, you know, a lot of basketball okay. players wardrobe, you know, that kind of stuff. OK, OK. There's a spectrum there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. stuff um so okay now you're in uh post-production for the show yes now what uh what's this like you're basically in like a weird purgatory before it like actually comes out right yeah it's very weird because i went from like being surrounded by like 500 people every day all day long you know yeah. just like a million questions constantly to then everyone it's over except for me and the editor so now <laughs> it's just like me and the editor and uh just sort of cutting the show and you know you're just like in your little isolation chamber yeah we had the tcas last week i go to new york this week i'm doing fun podcasts like this now nice um but yeah it's just a weird a weird zone to be in Jeez, but that's very exciting because then you have like an actual product that comes out and goes on television yes your parents are part of it it's like it's a whole thing and my wife too your wife yeah my wife uh writes on the show and amazing and you know the character is based on her relationship too so yeah how long have you guys been together Almost 10 years. Congratulations. Thank you. And you have two kids? Two kids. Two kids. Yes. And so it feels like you write a lot of from like your personal life. Yes, exactly. Do the kids understand what you do? Oh, yeah. They now, do. Now, now they do. Because like, how old are they? Um, Seven and five. Okay. Yeah. So now they do. Like they, they come to set and they know that oh, there's cool. like little kids who play versions of them. Oh, really? The show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. What a mind fuck for them a little bit. I know. And they're like, it's not really our names. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't want to do that. (laughs) But no, but it it is weird because I grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, you know, with like no show business background at all. Like my dad is as as the NTV salesman and my mom Mm -hmm. was like, you know, in education. So for my kids to grow up, like knowing about like the sets and, and, you know, being like, let's go to the stage 23 and see the Goldberg sets. It's so (laughs) such a bizarre way to grow up. Such a foreign thing from how you grew up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So how do you do you have any rules or regulations with your kids in terms of like how much they're allowed to indulge in social media or the entertainment industry? Like, do they come to you and say they want to act or write or be anywhere involved in this world? Well, my son wants to be a magician. Okay. So I... That's kind of cool. Yeah. And they're my, trendy again. They're cool. <laughs> my w- One of my really good friends and old roommate is Justin Wilman. you know, Magic for Humans. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know, he's hung out with him a lot. He, oh, cool. he was actually on his, he did magic on his show. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I, um, I don't, wouldn't want them necessarily to be like child actors just right. because it's, it's hard. It's and intense. honestly, you know, running a show and having kids on the show, it's, it's just like, yeah. you know, it's just hard to, it's just very hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, it's probably refreshing for them to do something outside of this world because yeah. you're like, I know what it's like to be in this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's not great. Yeah. 
Uh, do you have boundaries in terms of how much of your personal life you bring into the writing and creating and content side of stuff? Not really. Okay. I feel like I just write. <laughs> cool to know. <laughs> cool to know. Yeah, I pretty much just write uh, whatever is funny which about my life. So it's really, I, it's been that way since I was like, you know. Write what you know. Write what I know. Yeah. yeah. How did you get started? If your parents were, you know, you know, more traditional East Coast jobs or whatever, how did you get started in like entertainment and comedy? When I was... Uh, Nine, mm -hmm. I started doing improv at a place called Curtain Call. Nine. I know someone, uh, I did see someone did tweet that said, yeah, ask yeah, yeah. about Curtain Call. Uh -huh. So yeah, there was a, the there's a theater company in Stanford, Connecticut called Curtain Call. And okay. uh, I was a really sort of like, I don't know what was going on when I was like in fourth grade, but I was, I, I, I had a lot of, you were going through some stuff. I, I was going through some shit. <laughs> I had like, didn't have a lot of confidence. I had yeah. low self-esteem. I just, you know, it was one of those things where I remember like, my mom was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, everyone likes Genesis, so I want Genesis. And then I got it, and I was like, I fucking hate Genesis! <laughs> I hate fulfilling. video games! So, like, I didn't like video games, I didn't like sports, so I didn't really know what to do. And, I, you know, in Connecticut, that's really your options. Yeah. So I'd, like, play in the woods, and then... <laughs> and then and then after the woods got boring, my, my mom would be like, well, this weird thing opened up called improv, do that. So I started doing improv when I was, like, nine. Wow. And then it was like, I kind of, like, found my people. Yeah. And basically just did like, you know, drama club and all that stuff. And I was in a comedy troupe called the Half Pint Players at Curtin Call. Cute. And, and we would go into New York and it was just like, oh, that's fun. you know, uh, and, and then basically I knew from then that I wanted to like just do stand up. I was obsessed with A&E the Improv. I was obsessed wow. with Caroline's Comedy Hour, you know, in Living Color, like all that stuff. Yeah. I was just wanted so bad. So when I went to school in Boston, mm -hmm. day one, I was like, just hitting open mics and I basically just did stand up like wow. all through it and then started touring once I left Boston and then came to LA and then wow yeah so you knew I mean kudos to your mom for suggesting that place at such a young age yeah I just was <laughs> I just was very sort of focused and then that was really all I did like I graduated yeah. I did these things called NACA tours you know NACA yes yeah. I've heard of for people that don't know NACA my understanding of it it's basically like a convention of sorts where you go and pimp yourself out exactly. as like a comedian and colleges can hire you based on their like student funds or it's something. It's like a trade show. So you basically yeah. go and you like go. I mean, when I was doing it, you know, I was I was like 22 or something when right. I was doing those. And I'd come out and be like, SAT suck. And then they like just then they come like shake your hand and hug you and they book you. And oh, then that's so but isn't it like it's it's college students that are booking it's you? It's college right? students who are booking you and it's their funds and wow. it's honestly like the best way to make a living when you're an up and coming comedian because yeah, it you get pays pay, pretty well. It pays right? really well. And you know, at that time your expenses are like sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> so And they're like traveling you, right? Oh yeah. So you would just you know, so I did I mean, I like hit like a million miles on American Airlines by Dang. the time I was like 28 or something. Do you have any memories of colleges that stood out to perform at for better or worse? Oh, well, I did Gator Grout University of Florida, oh, which was that I've huge heard, show. I've heard nightmares about this show. Well, it was actually awesome. Okay. Because it was uh, it was a great show. I think it was it was Kevin Hart, Aziz Ansari, me. Oh, cool. And it was this giant stadium. This, yeah. was, this was a long time ago. And it's and Florida. It's Florida. And Florida goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you basically come out and you're like, fuck Florida State. And they're like, ah! <laughs> 
and that's half of your act is done already. Yeah, and then it's such a gigantic like arena that it takes forever to do, go through jokes. So yeah. It's like applause and screaming. So it was like so ridiculous. So that was super fun. And then I did so many terrible colleges. There was a really? there was a college I did. I think the Southeast NACA, which is like the southeast of America. Yeah, and like the Florida, the South Carolina, all those those places. Yeah, and um, I did a show at a college called High Point. High Point. High Point. Okay. And I remember when I was with my friend Danielle, and she drove me, and I was like, "This is the low point of my comedy career because it was <laughs> how ironic it was." So the show was like fine, but afterwards, this uh-huh. I forget the guy's name. He had this terrible name, and he was he was uh, this this awful person, and he was like, "We don't we don't like the comedy," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I just came up to you and said this. Yeah, and he was like in charge of the students. He was one of those weird jobs where like he was in charge of the students who were in charge of the money. He was like, uh, what was his name? And his you're name like, was who like, who gave you this job? Like, how did you get this position? Yeah, his name wasn't Skull, but like it kind of it kind of <laughs> was something like that. And he was like, we don't like. And then I remember getting a call from my college agent who was like, uh, they don't want to pay you. I was like, high point has to pay me. <laughs> What I do, like he was not good. It was just so. It was, you didn't make Skull no. laugh, and so they withheld your funds. Yeah. And then another terrible show was Kuka College, which is up upstate New York. That's not real. It's real Kuka. <laughs> I, I hit all the big colleges. Kuka College, and it was so far and so cold. Ugh. I used to like fly to New York and take my parents' car and drive all the way upstate New York to oh, these geez. shows. Yeah. And I was late because it was in fucking Kuka, New York. And they're like, "Where are you?" And I was like, "Where are you? You're too far away." Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm in Narnia. I don't know where this is. And then I got there. Like, I was very late to the show. Sure. And there's only like three people there. And they're like, We're, you, you're not getting paid. I was like, what is with these fucking colleges? I need gas money right now. You need to pay me. Pay me to leave KUKA. Uh, do you do any colleges now? I don't do any colleges now. Would you ever? Um, I would. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's harder to relate now. Like, right. it was a really interesting transition because I was doing a lot of colleges and I started doing a lot of like, comedy clubs and yeah. sort of like just doing more of that stuff. And then it was actually like it was a year that I was like a very long time ago when Whitney Cummings had a sitcom and I was mm-hmm. like working on her show and it was hiatus. And someone called me like, hey, do you want to do uh, this show at this college? And I was like, sure. Yeah. And I went there. And it was supposed to be Crystal Lee was supposed to perform, and he pulled out. So they're like, send the guy who writes for the show. <laughs> and the, the audience was like, what the fuck? Um, and then I got there, and I remember like looking at the crowd and being like, oh, my God, these kids are babies. Oh, and yeah. And I was like, my wife's pregnant. And they're like, boom. <laughs> Talk about Jaeger. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It's very, very difficult. I just keep seeing the words TikTok everywhere. Yeah. Have you gotten into that? Are your kids I, into that? Are they TikTok stars yet? No, I mean, they're too young to even be on. The only thing I've done well as a parent is uh, like, we don't let them look at the iPad. That's <laughs> like good. The good only thing. Everything else has been fucked. Yeah. But that is the one thing that we're like, so they, he's uh, honestly, he likes to like do the snap filters sometimes on oh, the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, I haven't gotten TikTok. Should I? Or, or am I too old? I don't even know. How. I opened it and I got really scared of it. Like a vis- it was a visceral reaction. I just really, it was, I felt such empathy for my parents opening YouTube for the first time right. and what it must have been like for them to try and navigate it and understand why it exists in any way. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just made me feel my age. 
which not necessarily the best thing. It, what is it just? I'm not joking. Is it just lip syncing to songs? It's, I've had many people try to explain it to me. I've heard that there's a whole genre of like Midwestern moms complaining about things, which I've heard. I is fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating, <laughs> but also I guess gets really sad because they think they're like really talking to like an audience or to people. And but there's like, TikTok stars. There's TikTok stars now that are basically like tweens, I feel like. And it makes me a little uncomfortable the same way like child actors make me a little uncomfortable yeah. but i mean there's still time I, I say this now and we cut to 2021 and i'm the biggest thing that's ever hit tiktok so <laughs> we'll see. i think you could do it i, I think you could do it I, i'm just that's my 401k is tiktok that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for youtube to really fuck it up and so i can make an actual move a lateral move okay we're gonna take a quick break when we get back um I got to know you're a House Hunters fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about <laughs> all of that when we get back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, you love House Hunters. Yes, I love all house things. Okay, you're an HGTV. I am. Okay, do are you like Chip and Joanna Gaines? I like them. Are we going to follow them to their new network? Oh yeah, what what's the deal? What are they doing? They're doing. Are they doing? Are they, they, they creating their own network? I feel like they have the power to do. No, that. they literally have started their own network. Wait, I didn't. <laughs> that was a joke. They no, really no, they're that. Come on, you've seen their remodels. Give them a fucking network. I know that they. I mean, I see all of her products in Target every time I go yeah. in there. No, they've left HGTV. Wow. And uh, now they're full on just um, wow. doing their own thing. They're like producing like episodes and episodes of shows. I did go to Waco, Texas. Um, last or two years ago or something. Congrats. Thank you. And when you when you drive in, there's just a giant billboard of Chip and Joanna Gaines saying, welcome to Waco. They and changed the whole place. Yeah. It's like they're they are the czars of Waco, Texas <laughs> now. It's bonkers to me. Yeah, um, I, I love them. I mean, House Hunters for me was always a thing that was fun. But, you know, Suzanne Wong, rest in peace. Yes. Yeah. My brother absolutely. and I grew up watching it. and We'd always be like, Suzanne Huang. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It was so good. And, uh, you know, it just feels like I wonder what the, I feel like they're shifting gears a little bit mm. uh, with 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 what they with what people want to see and what they do see. I feel like, you know, at least in L.A., it was always very frustrating to watch those shows because mm -hmm. it's always like, you know, two people were looking for, you know, <laughs> we're looking for like a 16 bedroom house, 25 yeah. bathrooms, yeah. 600 pools. Our yeah. budget's twenty five dollars. You're like, I'm going to kill myself. I know. It's I like to watch the House Hunters International or like mm -hmm. the Island Hunters. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. People that are shopping for islands. <laughs> it is It's beyond my understanding of how TV should work. It's so insane. <laughs> I also don't know. I mean, I'm so jealous. Talk about like social being jealous of like social media stuff. I'm yeah. jealous of like the island hunters of those Ugh. people who are just like, we're going to leave Idaho and go to Switzerland. I'm like, yeah. how? <laughs> yeah. I can't I, even go to Los Feliz. I know. I'm nervous for you guys in this transition. I don't think you're going to thrive there. <laughs> no, I think it's like, no, I really think leaving our five acre farm uh, to yeah. be in a, a studio apartment in Switzerland <laughs> with our nine kids is going to make our life easier. They're like, no, 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 no. no. This is a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I also just love imagining because, you know, I watch so much reality TV and all that junk that yeah. I have an understanding of like the formula and the producing side of it and how it works. And just knowing that they're clearly fed lines to say to each other in like candid moments is my favorite part of it. That they're like, well, house number two had that balcony, but... 
it didn't have a garage and it's just like cutting back and forth like a scripted scene and it's oh so cringeworthy and wonderful oh my god i did i did an hgtv like uh pilot that uh, didn't get picked up but it was basically like I was I'm so into it, so I was like, yeah, I want to do the house show. But then yeah. I realized like it's still making a show. Yeah. Like I don't I just want to walk around and be like, oh, I like this bathroom. Oh, I don't like this backyard. But then when I did the show, they're like, okay, and enter and action. I'm like, oh fuck. I, I was like, this is the whole thing. But there's production to there's this. There's a whole production. And you're Ugh. right. It's like they have to produce the guests, they have to mm-hmm. get them excited, they have to talk to them about the things. Oh, it's great. And even like the guests that you even like cast, they're still like, I think that the windows. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, one guy was like, I'm a door guy. This was on this <laughs> this was the show that was my that I was doing. And he was like, I'm a door guy. And I was like, What? What does that mean? He was like, I just care about the doors the most. I was like, no, no one does. <laughs> it was insane. He's got a niche. So um, um, I guess I'm not surprised that they didn't pick up the show up of me screaming at people. <laughs> See, I would watch that show of you just kind of bullying people into what why and why they shouldn't like what they like about yeah, homes. Exactly. Uh, and what's the what's the show with the guy that ran into the woods with a shotgun that was the host and oh, they broke up? Oh, of course. Tark. Um, l- l- love it or uh, oh no, Tarek. 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 Yeah. yeah, that was whole, the whole drama. Now she's got a new show. Yeah, the well, Christina on the coast or something. Yeah, how are we not thinking of the name? It's uh. Oh, what is their on. show? Uh, come on, Tarek. I used to do a joke about it. What is it called? Come on. Flip or flop. Flip or flop. How do yeah. we forget that? Um, yeah, flip or flop. And I think, you know. He was always so intense on that show that when all those stories came to light, I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get it. Yeah. But but HGTV was like, you know what? He needs his own show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they're still under contract. So, <laughs> so it's let's fine. get two shows out of this. There It'll we go. Her getting her life back together and also looking for a home. <laughs> what, what else do you need? I don't know. Um, okay. We got to go back to your MTV days. Let's do it. Your face or mine. Yeah. What is this show? Okay. So, so you were a MTV host. I was an MTV host for like five years. I hosted okay. uh MTV show called Your Face or Mine in 2004. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wore different glasses on every episode. My hair was super spiky. <laughs> for, for on purpose, you wore different glasses? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Very 2004. This was like the height of my <laughs> NACA shows. <laughs> You're really feeling yourself at this moment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, it was called your face or mine uh-huh. and we gave away, um, iPods cool. if you want. and it was essentially hot or not. And, oh. uh, it was, it was a format owned by Fremantle who produces American Idol and it was right. a big show in the UK. Yeah. I so thought it was a British show. It was first. a British show hosted okay. by Jimmy Carr. Super funny comic. Yeah. So they brought it here and then I hosted it and it was basically, I bring out, you know, someone uh-huh. be, you know i bring out you and your boyfriend right yeah. and i'd be like okay uh boyfriend um do you do you love grace yeah uh-huh. i love her do you think she's pretty oh yeah. she's so pretty do you think she's prettier than this girl show a picture <laughs> oh my god that's how it <laughs> yeah and he would be like um uh uh you know what no she's a mo- no she, she's prettier than grace and i go okay audience vote and then i'd be like ah you're an asshole the audience thinks grace is prettier <laughs> And that was the show, and it was pretty bad, but wow. um, <laughs> but it was my first thing, so I was excited. And uh, and then we would like, then there was almost like a like a Jerry Springer aspect, where uh-huh. like at one point, like the, the third round, they'd sit down, and uh, I'd be like, "Do you think uh, Grace is uh, prettier than your ex girlfriend?" And then <gasps> so they personalize it, right? And then he would be like, "No, I think." Uh, 
no, no, Grace, uh, she's the best. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, okay, well, Cindy, come on out. And what do you think? And then she would come out and then it'd be like awkward. And that was actually pretty funny. I honestly think the show probably would do way better today with like social media. Yeah. This was like pre-social media. There was holograms. It was totally crazy. Yeah, this feels like, I mean, I know there's that Netflix show that's like uh, hot or not, or 100% hotter or something like that. There's mm-hmm. some show about judging people by their looks only. Yeah. <laughs> So it feels very in that realm. Yeah, it was a pretty ridiculous uh, show. But you seem like you're comfortable with that intense awkwardness. Yeah. That's, I can't do that. Like, I would be terrible at that. I'd be like, let's talk it out. You don't have to choose. It's yeah. fine. It was so weird because there was also an audience and they were like, what is, what are we watching? And I was like, what am I hosting? We'll be right back. Wow. How long did that go for? We did 24 episodes and we shot it in like five days. Wow. And then that aired. It was one of those things that was on MTV after TRL. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. 500 times a day. Yeah. And then after that, I hosted this show called The Reality Show. The which Reality Show. It was actually a really good format, too, which was basically American Idol for people who wanted reality shows. That wanted their own reality shows. Wanted their own reality shows. So wow. I was the host of that. Okay. And that was. And that was like a competition show. Competition show. Okay. And there was uh, Andy Dick was the judge. Perfect. And I think Bam Margera was a judge. God, this is and, so 2004 5. Yeah. Oh, and I wow. think Trishel from Real World was a judge. It was yeah. like. Wow. Wait, Real World, like Vegas or something? Yes. Yes. I don't so, know how I pulled that out of my Rolodex in my brain. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was basically that. And, uh, and that show was just. Um, that was not a great show. Wow. <laughs> so it must have been, I mean, a profound experience. It was a profound experience. I Did was... anyone actually get a reality show made after that? Um, I think this one Italian kid from Staten Island who was funny, he had like a grandpa who sold bread out of his truck. <laughs> I think <laughs> he sold. had a reality show for some for some time. <laughs> That's great. And then uh and then after that I hosted uh, the worst show, which was called Pretty Dumb, I think, which was Pretty like dumb. a spring break show. So I was just wow. sort of in the folds wow. for MTV for, for it was a few you years. and Jesse Camp just holding it down for <laughs> yeah, MTV. Pretty much, which is us. Wow, that must have been quite an experience. It really though. was. And I remember talk, talking to Damien Faye because he was hosting TRL when your face of mine was on. Oh, yeah. And he said they used to always talk about how fucking mean that show was. <laughs> it, it's so degrading. <laughs> it was so mean. It I was mean, like, like, you can't do that show. Singled out at least like, you know, left some room. Yeah. There was uh, many people competing on that show. But this show was just like, you're ugly. Here's an iPod. <laughs> uh, is there a reality show currently that you would go on? Oh, I mean, I want to go on that. The ship show. <laughs> oh, Below Deck? Below Deck. You lo- I love Below Deck. I love Below Deck. I don't know what I do on that show because I'm married <laughs> and everyone has just constant sex and fights. But I just kind of want to be around and like I hang feel out. Like, I feel like you and your family could be the charter guests. That, that's, for, oh my God. I feel like you could make that happen. Yeah, Below Deck, my family, that would be the funniest thing I, ever. No, I watch that show and I do sometimes fantasize in like the voyeuristic way of like, you know, if if the internet really goes south, I guess I could work on like a yacht, <laughs> even though I'm wildly claustrophobic and don't like interacting with people. No, I, I actually I, I wanted to go on that show because it is so ridiculous. But I actually I went on a Disney cruise this summer and it was the mo- it was the lo- it was the longest time of my life. I can't. How do was both. that? It was hard. I was just like, <laughs> it was just, I mean, it's like going to Disneyland, but there's no rides. And you can't leave. And it's very wavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, is it the one where like the characters show oh, yeah. up and yeah. everyone's there? So your kids must have had a great time. Yeah, but my Did kids, your kids always... go with you? Yeah. Okay. But my kids always have a good time. They're kids. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but it was it it, I, it was just hard for me to be on a boat. You know, it's very rocky. That's and wavy. what. Yeah. When I was younger, my the one like trip that my mom and stepdad took me, my brothers on was a big red boat Disney cruise, and we learned immediately that my mom gets seasick because like they sit you at tables with like other families like to eat dinner so they can fill like the you know 10 seat tables and at one point this like dad from this other family just looked at my stepdad and was like sir your wife is uh and we looked over and my mom was just in the hallway on the ground like clutching oh like God. a banister no the worst is looking out the window on a cruise because yeah. you just see a fly by no i was just basically crushing me and xanax the whole, the whole trip <laughs> it was like seven days i barely remember alaska yeah the parent survival kit for the any weirdest adults wow. that you'll ever see yeah how long did you go on it for it was like it was seven days wow yeah, it was a long time wow 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 i mean kudos to you a cruise is a big commitment it really is <laughs> would you do it again no no okay <laughs> full endorsement um okay i heard you uh you are an extrovert you love strangers yeah to the point that uh you even like give your phone number to strangers like on planes and things like that <laughs> Yes. Have you had any crazy like follow up stories of like how many people do you keep in contact with on a regular basis? Um, well, I I've basically <laughs> yeah. because this is so foreign to me. I'm very introverted. Yeah. Uh, so to hear that you just like willingly are just like completely open with complete strangers. I'm like, how? How does well, that work? It, it was definitely more like in the in the time of my life when I was traveling so much. I sure. was on planes all the time and I would just like talk to people and have interesting conversations. Yeah. And uh, the one person who I really wanted to stay in touch with was the um i met i sat next to the ceo of american eagle which is like you know american airlines small planes okay oh no and not not the clothing brand yeah yeah no. okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i was like go on i was like cool man you get those cool faded torn jeans for 20 percent off that was all i wanted yeah so i was like oh this guy will be my best friend uh -huh. and i emailed him because i always would meet people on planes and then get their email and just email back and forth yeah uh, for a while i was talking to some, some guy who was like in like i don't know he didn't work at Sirius, but he was like in like the radio industry and okay. we'd like email back and forth about like music, which was weird. <laughs> I met a graphic designer uh, one time who like I then met in the parking lot and and he then at, at Coffee Bean and talked about then he designed my website. I guess oh. me in the parking lot was a weird thing to say. Yeah, but. <laughs> I was like, did you plan the meeting or did you just happen upon each other in the parking lot? But, yeah, I, I met him and then and so I got a, a website one time. Nice. And I talked okay. to some guy about radio one time. I met a musician. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just a trainer. <laughs> yeah. So you're really you are socially networking I'm without so, social media. Exactly. You're doing it in real life. In person, I walk up to people and I say, I like I like what you're doing. Let's connect. <laughs> Follow me on LinkedIn, please. Um, OK, so you've been in a ton of writers rooms. Yes. What is a piece of advice that you would give to aspiring writers that, uh, that don't really know what that environment is like, I guess. You don't need to talk that much. Really? It's really the key, I feel like. A mm -hmm. lot of times people like younger writers are nervous and, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's, everyone, no matter what level they are, yeah. from executive producer, staff writer on a sitcom, everyone always pretty much thinks like, oh, did I say something stupid? Yeah. <laughs> Am no. I saying the right thing? Yeah. You know, um, so... I think a lot of times people feel like they need to talk, you yeah. know, because they want to just like talk, talk, talk and and pitch. And I think like that's sort of like the worst thing you could do mm -hmm. is is pitch a lot and not score. And you're more likely to probably think more. It's just like kind of advice you'd get sort of like as like a young kid, like yeah. think before you speak. So I think a lot of people 
don't need to do that much to succeed in a writer's room, but I cool. think overdoing it will hurt you more. Yeah, no, I, listening, I think, listening, is probably yeah. a big skill. I remember my first, the first time I was in a sitcom, writer's room was on uh, Whitney, and there was right. this showrunner, Betsy Thomas, who, um, and I was friends with Whitney, that's why I was on the show, mm -hmm. and I was pretty comfortable, and I was like, you know, one of the only um, comics for the first season, so I was very, I was sort of, being a comedian and then getting transitioning into writing, it's like a different sort of vibe because I'm so used to like just talking and sending, yeah, yelling, yelling, yelling jokes and like not worrying about bombing, really. Right. Because you're kind of workshopping like in an auditory way, like you're right. verbally working through some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like not that nervous around a writer's room because I've bombed in Kuka College. Yeah. <laughs> So no matter what happens, yeah. nothing is going to be worse than Kuka College, like in yeah. 2005. It's all about perspective, yeah. So, um, but I remember Betsy was like, hey, so I um, just wanted to give you, tell you, uh, don't pitch so much. <laughs> well, that's like, and I, I was mean, like, okay. And I sort of took that advice and I sort of, you know, carried that through. That's great. Yeah, because I think people assume that they have to bring stuff to the table yeah all the time to show their value or their worth in a situation yeah and it's also you know it's difficult those writers rooms it's mm -hmm. like you, you have people who've been doing this for like 25 years in these rooms you have people right. who've like heard every story or, or thought of the joke or aren't thinking about the joke right now or like you know right. so it's just if there's so many different things going on yeah that uh you know you, that you're not focused on because everyone's always focused about like what's going on in their head right 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 right. yeah i've talked to a lot of people lately um about like imposter syndrome that like rears up for people constantly and just it's kind of um it's kind of like satisfying in some way to hear that so many people like have those thoughts float through their head of like yeah. i don't deserve to be here so <laughs> i need to prove my worth in so many ways and it might come across you know opposite of how you intend for it to come across exactly so um cool i think that's really great advice also uh did you you got bit by a spider in the writer's room i did yeah what is this story <laughs> i uh well no not not in the writer's room okay i believe this was when i was working on the john mulaney sitcom okay <laughs> i was oh no i've been bit by two spiders <laughs> I, Go on. Well, I, I I had a Black Widow problem, I found out. Wow. Here's the thing. A lot, a Not lot, the Scarlett Johansson kind. No. Yeah. Here's the thing about me and my body is I <laughs> am very in tune with my body. So Humble if, brag. Okay. Humble brag. So, so if something is off, yeah. I immediately know. And people think of that as like a hypochondriac, but like I'm not because I'm always right. You're just aware. Yeah. yeah. For example, right now I've had shoulder pain for like months. Okay. And everyone like the writer's room was like, oh, you're distressed, whatever. You don't know what's going on. I was like, no, I'm telling you, like, I I'm in more pain. My yeah. wife's like, just stop, just like go, go to sleep. I'm like, no. And then I went to the doctor finally when I had like my schedule free, and the uh -huh. doctor's like, you have frozen shoulder. And I was like, <laughs> that's a thing. It's a thing. It's mostly found in elderly um, women, <laughs> women with diabetes. But I have it. <laughs> You're the special case. I have the frozen shoulder, but it was a real. So it's a real thing. Uh -huh. And it's what do you do for that? Physical therapy. Wow. So is it? Does it? Do you get it because you're writing or because your body is like leaning on tables or they, laptops or things? They don't know. It's a medical, it is a medical mystery. <laughs> you're a medical anomaly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it kind of basically, it's like a tightening of the shoulder capsule. Mm -hmm. So for example, well, I went to physical. So you can only raise your arms. Oh, I'm actually doing pretty good right now. Yeah. That looks Wait, pretty impressive. You Grace, look did like, you heal me? <laughs> I don't know. You look like you're on a roller coaster right now, <laughs> but your, your like range of motion is limited yes okay. my range of motion is limited exactly yeah. so um 
But anyway, so I, I had like a little mark on my neck and I was uh-huh. like, I think that I was bit by a spider. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, I'm <laughs> telling you, like something is off. So then I had my wife um, like circle it because uh-huh. that's what you do with spider bite to see if it would track. And is that what you do? Yeah. Like circle then, it with like a marker? A little pen marker. Yeah. Oh. And then and then I was like, okay, I got a little pen. pen. I'll see if it tracks. And then like a couple hours later, it did go up my <gasps> neck. And I was like, I've been bit by a black widow. It's poison. <laughs> so I had to call I have a wife called poison control. Wow. Because like you're supposed to. And then um, I was right. I had a, everyone making fun of me. And then I had giant spider bite that was like up and down my neck. Oh, God. What do you do for that? Antibiotics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. But kudos to you for like knowing how to like boy scout handle that yeah, <laughs> like draw a circle on my neck yeah real quick. thank you wow. thank you for understanding but this has happened more than once it's <laughs> <laughs> the real the real get here. Yeah. spiders like my delicious skin yeah i guess so yeah. that one broke down the glass ceiling for the other spiders <laughs> to get in on it good for them uh and so Wow, that's very funny. Because I'm sure a lot of people see it as like a neuroses that you're uh, in tune with how your body reacts to things. Yeah, I just think my, my body happens to have a lot of things that happen. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I just know about it. Do you do any like woo-woo, LA, yoga, meditation, uh, acupuncture, any of that kind of stuff? I've been meaning to meditate for like 10 years. Yeah, I'm, same. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate, I swear, at some point yeah. in my life. I really want to meditate. I have the Headspace app that... Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I've had it for three years. Notify me at 10 a.m. every morning that it's time to meditate. And I don't, I haven't done it at all, but I know when it's 10 a.m. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It's also like that app that says drink water and you're like, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fine. I if I read it, I did it. I did it. It's the same thing. Um, okay, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, we have a bunch of Twitter questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Woo! Okay, Dan, um, before we get into the Twitter questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. And the first is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Ooh, who, alive or dead, Mm -hmm. I want to throw cold spaghetti at. Mm -hmm. Okay, alive or dead. Throwing cold spaghetti. Like a prank or like because I'm mad at them? It's entirely up to you. Whatever your intention is. It can be joyous. It can be mean-spirited. It can be a prank. Whatever you would like. Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I clarified because that came to you pretty quickly. <laughs> and and uh, what kind of way would this be thrown? It's like, hey, you're Lincoln! <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here, man? And I'd be like, man, it's so crazy. Why are you throwing spaghetti at my face? Like, I don't know. I was on a podcast. <laughs> okay. The other question every guest has to answer is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. <clears throat> so mine, for example, is college jogging front lawn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. I gotta, th- you know, okay. it, it can be a close call. It can be it, whatever comes to mind. Okay. And there have been people that have not had stories that they can tell, which blows my mind. But, um, you know what? I, I, okay. Um, last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a fresh story. 24 hour fitness. <laughs> Jamba juice. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, we're all trying to live our healthiest lives in January. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. 
<laughs> a lot of stress. Oh, I bet. Whew, sorry for that fitness. Um, okay, let's get into these questions. Richard Cummings asked ask about Curtain Call Inc. Yes, we already answered that. Yeah, Richard. during summer stock. Uh, you guys were the OGs back in the theater camp days. Hashtag not even embarrassed. I'm not even embarrassed. I was Rooster and Annie. I was going to say, what I, productions did you do? We did Annie. Um, we did... Uh, Annie was the big one. Oliver, uh-huh. I, I, Oliver. What's funny about the Oliver show is that I walked around that that auditions uh-huh. being super cocky, being like, just so everyone knows, I'm gonna be Artful Dodger. <laughs> I don't know why. I was so I was such a very confident. confident I was yeah. a confident uh, yeah. theater kid, and they're like, okay. And then I auditioned, and I did not even get cast in the show. Not even, <laughs> not even, not even a chorus. Did you work on the crew or anything? Um, no, I was. I was like, you know what? If you're not going to take me as the part that I was nothing. born to play, yeah. yeah. Would you do theater now? No, no. <laughs> Those days are behind you. Those days are behind me. Okay. Would you write theater? Oh yeah, I would write a play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> And his spaghetti mystery. <laughs> Live on Broadway. That sounds like uh, Joseph and the techn- uh, Magical Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I feel like the show sells itself. Done. I want to see. What's Done. Yet? Spaghetti cannons? I'm in. <laughs> uh, someone wants to know if you could change your last name to another piece of water infrastructure, what would you change it to? But they're pronouncing it wrong, I guess. Oh, right. Levy? Levy. Levy. Yeah, it's, it's Levy. Yeah. Not Levy. But I guess I would Dan Poole. Damn, well, yeah. That'd be cool. That's a powerful name. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could sell cars or <laughs> like save, uh, you know, people from injustice. <laughs> uh, someone's know what tips do you have for organizing and managing writing pro- projects? Uh, lists, lots lists? of lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got you. Got to make lists, and I always use red pens. Red pens. Red pens. Do you handwrite things still, or are you more of a laptop-based person? I, I write this all the scripts on a laptop, but uh-huh. then I will rewrite and sort of proof and stuff with red pens. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, you're grading your own papers. Yes. Very Terrible. cool. Terrible! <laughs> Not funny! <laughs> I thought you had potential. <laughs> uh, and they want to know, also, how do you balance the variety of projects in your life and keep yourself on track? Red pens? Red pens <laughs> and... Yeah, how do you balance? Because you and your wife work together a yes, lot, right? Yeah. And the kids are involved here and there. Like, how how do you guys, like, go offline, for lack of a better word? Or, like, how do you guys log out and, like, do relaxing, like, life stuff? I would love to don't. find out. <laughs> <laughs> We're hanging out by a thread. <laughs> but it's got to be nice to be able to collaborate in a professional oh, no, setting so much. Honestly, we work so well. It's the first time we've worked together in a writer's room. And it was... Oh, that's cool. It was so, it was so great. And we didn't... The hardest part for us was actually just, like the just being like a couple in a car you know because yeah. we drive like 40 minutes to get to work and yeah. it'd just be like her telling me i'm a bad driver and me not following ways <laughs> and that was the hardest part of working together once we were in the room it was great yeah yeah yeah. but she sort of also like gets me like she doesn't like calm me down in sort of situations because it's so high stress all the time you know there's right. always problems you're always putting out fires but instead of being like it's okay let's do that she'd be like that is fucked up you should go in there right now and tell him like i'm gonna fucking do that so she's your hype man. Yeah, she's my hype man. Probably only to but get pro- you riled up. Yeah, which I don't think anyone wanted. Uh, someone said, do you believe in chocolate milk for cereal or only normal milk? Only normal milk. Only normal milk. Yeah. What's your go-to, like, um, guilty pleasure food, let's say? Guilty is pleasure one. food is Skittles. Skittles? Yeah. Really? I'm a real candy person, but, but I... Only, but not like chocolate? No. Oh. I like like Sour Power, Skittles, Warheads, Lollipops, but oh, okay. I ate so much candy when I was a kid <laughs> that as an adult, I spent so much money fixing my teeth... Really? ...that I had to stop... <laughs> 
with all candy, like tooth implants, root canals. Wow. I, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Do, the, do your kids get candy? They do, but they know that all my teeth are fake, so they can't. They got to stop soon. <laughs> but on Halloween, I, I, I'm really like You're a, a cautionary tale no, for them. Yeah. But on Halloween, I always just, just fucking fall off the wagon so oh. hard. Every house, I'm like, oh, God, 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 God. <laughs> and I'm like shaking at the end of the night. And they're like, Dad's a monster. Yeah. Uh, do you guys do like family costumes for Halloween? Um, yeah. Well, now they're getting a little bit older, so we had a, we had a sort of break off. Like this year, okay. we were milk and cookies, and then my kids were like a spider. Man and something else. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. they're too cool to be associated yeah, with a family like, costume. Get away from us. We're like, come on, we were crayons last year. And they're like, not this year. <laughs> Guys, so many memes. Uh, <laughs> so wants to know what's a moment that makes you proud to be a dad? Oh, um, I, I guess the, the 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 most proud I guess as a parent is when another parent or like a teacher tells you how great your kid is. You know, oh, like when they're like, yeah. he's he's so polite or he's such a good listener. You're like, oh, that's so nice because at home he just screamed at me and said he he's wants a, your daddy. He's a little bitch at home. <laughs> but that is the best. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah that you're like, thank God. Phew. Yeah. I can let them into the real world. Uh, and also they want to know who is a person who has deeply influenced your life? A person who's deeply influenced my life? Mm -hmm. Oh, probably uh, Lori Guzda, who started Curtain Call Inc. Because she oh. was the one who started improv when I was, you know, nine. So that's, that's why cool. I started doing it. Yeah. Very cool. And she was a huge fan of this podcast, so she'll love the mention. Yes. <laughs> uh, Nada has a very important question. Is the purple dick stain still on your driveway? Good news, everyone. The purple dick stain is off. Um, Can we hear the context of yes. this question? <laughs> so basically, I uh, there was a marker on my driveway, a purple marker, because I have kids, and that's what kind of happens when you have kids. Sure. Left it out. I No. I drove up the driveway. And the marker exploded. I was like, oh, that's bad. I drove off the driveway later, moved uh -huh. the marker, and then there was a purple stain on my driveway that looked exactly like a purple dick, like <laughs> full on dick. And it was crazy. And I documented it and kept trying to get off the driveway. And people, it just wouldn't stop. People became obsessed with a purple dick. <laughs> I, I was getting all sorts of I power wash. It didn't work. Like every yeah. version. And that purple dick is still there. It's still there. It's still there. Wow. I hope it becomes part of like the celebrity tours. It will. Out yes, here exactly. Yeah. And as we head into the valley, look to your left and you'll see the purple dick. <laughs> the infamous purple dick. Uh, Kara wants to know, can you describe your friendship with Mulaney in three words or three small phrases? How long have you guys known each other? For a very long time, so, like early 2000s, we met doing comedy. Okay. Um, we talk on the phone like 14-year-old girls. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's how you describe your friendship? I would say, I would say like we're uh, old Jewish men who communicate like 14-year-old girls, <laughs> but in the 90s because it's, it's, it's like very long phone conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah do you guys have like long-winded text threads? Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could print those out and make like a coffee table book of it. <laughs> I mean, got to take advantage of it. <laughs> um, someone says, ask what he thinks Harry Styles would look like without his hair. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's got such great hair, that guy. I know. I feel like he's 90% his hair. Yes. What's your go-to music? Pop punk. Pop punk? Green Day, Rancid, Operation Ivy, Avril Bad Religion. I, I'll listen to Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Get her in there. Eve Six. I went to Eve Six. I saw Eve, the last, uh, put it this way, the last uh -huh. two concerts I saw uh -huh. live, Eve Six and Saves the Day. Wow. Yeah. You are living in a certain era. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> uh, okay. Someone wants to know, which movie would you like to unwatch so you could feel the joy of watching it again for the first time? 
Home Alone. Home Alone? Yeah. yeah. I just watched that. I mean, I've watched it before, but it's been years and I watched it right around Christmas. And it's yeah. It's a perfect movie. I also watched the making of Home Alone. It yeah, was great. It's great. Home Alone 2, though. Doesn't... I haven't seen that one. What? No. Don't see it. I yeah. watched it. I watched it this <laughs> I year. Said, what? As if I should see it. And then well, immediately what? Don't you should see it. see it. But then I saw it and I was like, this isn't a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, oh no, my boyfriend and I did start watching it and I was a little high and I just kept screaming, it's just bad parenting now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't oh, you can never make that this. movie now. That movie would be one minute, one minute long now. It'd be like, yeah. all right, parents, text them. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> And the movie real credits. <laughs> Find my phone. There they are. They're at the airport. Um, okay, we're getting to the end of the podcast. I just want to know what's coming up. Like, what's next? What What are projects that might be in the works so you can talk about other... I mean, obviously, the show. The show? Um, the show comes out February 6th. That's the main, main thing. I'm going to cool. be performing live stand-up in the next couple of months. I'm doing... I do a show uh, called um, Open House. Mm-hmm. I did a, a, last time I did it was Largo a few months ago, which cool. is basically um, me and a bunch of comedians uh, look at listings on Redfin and Zillow and make fun houses. Oh, that's such a great idea. So it's a very fun show. I was busy with making a sitcom, but now that that's once that's all wrapped up, I'm going to do that again in LA. Great so idea. It'll be on my Instagram. And uh, also your triumphant return to Twitter. Yes, I'm coming be- back to Twitter in a big way <laughs> with long, angry political tweets. Yes. It's the one thing missing from Twitter. Um, okay, Dan, before we wrap up, every guest that's on the podcast gets a personalized fortune cookie from oh. us to them. So that is for you from us. It's, I think, in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, okay. Opening it up. Here we go. We know you know the truth about Avril Lavigne and her replacement, Melissa. Stop dodging calls. Just tell us like it is. Yeah. Oh. I feel like you're in that. I mean, you live in that era. I do. Thank <laughs> you so much for knowing me so well. I feel like you hold all the secrets. Um, Dan, where can people find you, the show, everything you're up to if they don't know already, and to make sure that they don't get you confused with the other gaggle of Dan Levy's and Levy's? Yes. Um, I am at Dan Levy Show on Instagram. Okay. I'm at Dan Levy at Twitter. Okay. Okay. Uh, the show is called Indebted. It's on NBC, February 6th. There's an at Indebted fan page. I would also just go on Fran Drescher and Sweet. Jesse Hodges and Abby Elliott and Adam Pally and everyone's Instagrams and uh, just watch the show. Sweet. Do Th- it. Thank you so much for being here. This was so Thank fun. Thank you for having me. I love this podcast. Yeah, go check out the show, guys, and go follow him and, you know, really hound him for those tweets that we've been missing for years, months, weeks, <laughs> days, all of it. We'll see you guys next time on Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Bye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. 